when I wash my face and because of my freaking nails, mm-hmm. um, every time I would just like snag it and I'm like, oh. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like your cartilage when it gets caught on your hair. Oh. They also have the little dangly chain, which I think is cute where you can do like the two studs with the little chain that like connects them. I think it's cute. <sighs> Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not deep oh, enough into no. the. <laughs> Tyler's gonna be so pissed. <laughs> I got it in Hawaii when we were on our honeymoon. <laughs> uh, naturally, a big yeah. life event, you need another piercing. And no, I that's totally what I do. That. Yeah, I like forget that I have them though. Sometimes people are like, "Oh, I like your tattoo." I'm like, "What do you mean? I don't... <laughs> what? When did I get that?" <laughs> Appreciate. Oh, wow. <laughs> Appreciate you. I guess <laughs> that's what I should start saying to people and be like, "What do you mean? I don't what? see a tattoo." <laughs> F. F with two Fs. F. We got to put your teeth over your lips. F. <laughs> All right, we should actually probably get started. No, we should. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, should I, we, we both have things to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten, and we are... Mediocre content. content. And welcome to another beautiful October week. I'm living it up. Living it up. I have made it through most of Gilmore Girls by now. (laughs) And um, everyone in my house has been forced to watch it with me. Beautiful. You know what I haven't done is watch a Halloween movie yet. I also have not done that. Shame. Yeah, I know. We need to really get on that. What is what is your favorite Halloween movie? Do you have one? I mean, disgustingly, you have to watch Hocus Pocus at least once. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not a huge fan of the claymation. So even though I don't mind Nightmare Before Christmas, it's still not like my go-to necessarily. Nightmare Before Christmas has never been my go-to. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just weird. And then also um, Halloween Town sometimes. Yes, I like <laughs> all of the Halloween Towns. They're so good. <laughs> Um, I also, I mean, obviously Hocus Pocus is good. The second one is fine. It's not the (laughs) greatest. The first one is definitely better, but we definitely, I watched, I think the second one came out last year, I believe. Uh, Yeah, I think so. And it was good. It had way too much singing for my, for my liking. Uh, Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, it was, somebody said, I forget who I was talking to, but they said it felt kind of forced. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's okay. I would agree. I think it had yeah. more hype just because of what it was related to more than the movie yeah. itself, which is fine. I also really like to watch <laughs> fall movies. So okay. like movies that are set in fall winter time. So for example, oh. I like to watch You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan because it is like perfect 90s nostalgia like Ooh. fall in new york ah. like beautiful it's just it's everything it's a cozy movie highly recommend even though it's probably not it's not like about the holidays or anything right sure. but it's it's a good like classic rom-com mm-hmm. nice yeah i know that my family will probably begin to be watching hallmark movies soon so oh uh, yes fits that it is almost well. that time yes it is almost that time Oh my God. That'll Ugh. be great. Yeah. I don't know. Halloween movies are okay. I'm not really a movie person anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. So, well, just kind of, I don't know. We also yeah. don't have cable. So, well, yes. I mean, we're at the mercy <laughs> of streaming at this point, but um, have you seen Practical <clears throat> Magic? That one's really good. No, I haven't. With Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock. It's an no. older movie, but it's about witches and like, Ooh. it's very Halloween-y. It's very good. What I do need to do is go back and watch Old School Charmed. That's about where Uh, I'm And Sabrina the Teenage Witch, too, (laughs) is very good. good. Uh, Mm -hmm. All the good stuff. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That would be perfect to throw back nowadays. Yes. Okay. Well, I have a new thing to do. Yes. (laughs) For your recommendations. Okay. Shall I disclaim? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. Okay. So uh, obviously we are not experts on anything. Um, if you have come to the podcast to get any kind of advice, um, we are not the place for that, but we are the place to learn about things that you wouldn't necessarily know about slash 
things that you might be interested in. So, um, we encourage you to do your own research, but also learn along with us. And if you, you know, have anything you want to tell us about that particular (laughs) topic that week, then we'll give you all that information on where you can yell at us at the end. So I want it in all caps, (laughs) all caps, no spaces, no mercy. Uh, yeah. All right. To... No spaces, all caps. I am not reading that. <laughs> My eyes could never. I know. Okay. Yeah. I guess we'll go to good news then. Yes, let's do it. So our first bit of good news has actually been kind of circulating a little bit. So I'm surprised I hadn't seen it, which is disappointing on my part. So I apologize. Mm. It's taken me this long to bring it forward. However, Engineers from MIT and China are actually collaborating on a groundbreaking project aimed at converting seawater into potable water using an innovative passive device inspired by oceanic processes and fueled by solar energy. This is huge. Um, It is huge. In a recent publication in the journal Jewel, the research team unveiled plans for an inventive solar desalinization system, which just means they're taking the salt out of the water, basically. Uh, but that's very watered down. Ha ha ha. The system takes... <laughs> the system takes... Shame. <laughs> Shame on Whatever. you and your family. Dishonor on your The system takes in seawater and harnesses the natural energy of sunlight to initiate the purification process. The device's unique design facilitates the circulation of water in swirling patterns reminiscent of the large-scale thermohaline circulation found in the ocean, which is something that happens naturally. This circulation combined with the sun's radiant heat causes water to evaporate, of course, if you did basic science class, leaving the salt then behind. The resultant water vapor is then condensed and collected as pure, safe drinking water. Meanwhile, the leftover salt is continually flushed out of the system rather than accumulating and causing blockages, which is a huge deal because even though you don't think about salt being a problem, it can definitely clog a drain if it's not removed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that would defeat the purpose. The engineers project that when the system is upscaled to the size of a compact suitcase, so again, in science, you're kind of starting small and building up in your scale, one, because it's difficult to do material-wise, and two, because it's expensive, but it could generate approximately four to six liters of drinking water every hour and remain operational for several years before requiring maintenance or replacement components. At this scale and efficiency, the system could provide drinking water at a cost lower than that of current tap water. Again, huge. That is a big deal. Uh, Lanan Zhang, a research scientist at MIT's Device Research Laboratory, expressed their excitement by stating, and I quote, For the first time, we have the potential for water produced solely by sunlight to be more affordable than conventional tap water, end quote. This is massive. If this genuinely takes off and is something that is feasible to create, which I genuinely believe that it is, this could be amazing. Um, The only concern I guess I have is access, right? Because right now, if you're paying for sewer, water, electric utilities, as you do, um, the question is then how do you take this concept and take this um, invention and put it into modern homes across the world conveniently and without costing them a lot of money you know because inevitably there's going to be a company that comes around and be like oh you can capitalize on this right uh, but that defeats the purpose of this <laughs> like, well and then it kind of also says something about the state of our <clears throat> freshwater availability yes um, and then we start tapping into the ocean water and then like yeah where does it end right so it might not we might be venus soon right <laughs> so that's also something to think about i know there's also a lot of programs that turn um sewer sewer water into yeah. drinking water which is sounds disgusting but like it's legitimately mm-hmm. a really great way to recycle water and yep. it's very clean very efficient you know something that's also being done currently i think 
And for those of you that say rainwater, yes, obviously we can do things like that. However, where do you think the rain comes from? It's right, my yeah, question exactly. to you. Right. It's coming it's the from the water all... cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Basic biology. <laughs> so just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, if there is no ocean and there is no lakes and rivers and things for us to use, uh, it's probably not going to be raining anytime soon. So just wanted to put that out. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um Second I forgot to do oh. I forgot to do the Kirsten Science Corner jingle. <laughs> it's okay. So, <laughs> would you like to do it now? I would like to do it now. Okay, yes. go ahead. All right, ready. Kirsten Science Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um the the second one that I have is actually in honor of your clock episode, by the way. Oh, great. Okay, um, great. Because I felt this was redeeming to a point. <laughs> Everybody go listen to us be mean to billionaires on the clock episode. <laughs> yeah, not here because I'm actually going to, I don't know much about this person. I just saw the story and I thought it was kind of a redeeming quality for those that have a lot of money. Okay, great. So there is a renowned Irish American entrepreneur and philanthropist, which is hard to say for some reason, uh, Charles Francis Chuck Finney, who selflessly dedicated his entire personal fortune to global philanthropy throughout his life and peacefully passed, unfortunately, on October 9 in San Francisco at the age of 92. Mr. Finney's philanthropic endeavors orchestrated through the Atlantic Philom Philanthropies anonymously dispensed over $8 billion in grants across five continents. Bill Gates even hailed him as the ultimate example of giving while living, and he is quoted, Finney is, as saying, quote, I had one idea that never changed in my mind, that you should use your wealth to help people. Try it. You'll like it. It's much more fun to give while you are alive than to give when you are dead, <laughs> end That's quote. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Finney's humble beginnings during the uh, humble beginnings uh, happened during the Great Depression. Growing up with Irish American parents who instilled strong values and a strong work ethic never left him, even as he achieved great success in the business world. Finney made much of his fortune after co-founding Duty Free Shoppers, which is a chain of duty free airport stores specializing in luxury goods. And in 1982, Finney and his family established the Atlantic Foundation and later transferred all his business assets into it. By the time the foundation was dissolved in 2020, Atlantic had dispersed over $8 billion in grants, primarily in regions such as the United States, the Republic of Ireland, Britain, Northern Ireland, Australia, South Africa, Vietnam, Bermuda, and Cuba. According to Forbes, Finney gave $3.7 billion to education, more than $870 million went to human rights, and more than $700 million in gifts to health, which I think is a great way to spend your money. It's a great way to divide it up, too. I Absolutely. Think. You're covering all the bases. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, some people do know what to do with their money when they have a lot of it, and I think that's a great example. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. If only we could get the other people in that category of wealth to like the, take a look at that. The other people are busy building a clock in Texas. So I don't think they, have, they don't have the time. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, um, <clears throat> are you going to show me how to vote? Yes. So today we're going to talk about, well, we're not going to be, so let me preface this. Let me do Please. a little disclaimer. <laughs> um, so we, this is not a political podcast, first of all. Correct. Good, good idea. We, to <laughs> we are not going to be telling anybody which way they should vote, no. how they should vote, who they should vote for. Nope. That is your personal business. Yeah. And I, you know, this, that is not what we're here to do today. I just want to be first and foremost, informative and educational, mm -hmm. um, about how the system works. No, that's um, fair. And also, this is just the United States, by the way, guys. Like, the we don't, this is just yes. how the United States does it, <laughs> obviously. Yes. And please comment below if your country does it better than us, because I would, <laughs> I'm here for suggestions. Also, it, um, like, this is one of those things where if we do get it wrong, definitely let us know, because yeah. at least for the United States, voting season is upon us, and next year is going to be a big year because it's the presidential election. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to make sure that anything that comes across is correct and valuable yes. to the conversation. And we'll make we'll make edits as needed. But I yeah. I feel very confident in the information that I'm about yes. to provide. Um, 
So yeah, we, we just, we don't care who you vote for. We just want you to vote because it's important. Yeah. So anyway, here we go. What is the electoral college? I know we've all heard about it. If you live in America, if you haven't, you probably haven't heard about it. (laughs) Good for you. Congratulations. Um, So the electoral college was set up by article two, section one, clause two of the constitution. It specifies how many electors each state is allowed to have since 1964, 538 has been the number of total electors for the United States. Mm -hmm. So, and just to add some context, because in 1959, we acquired Alaska and Hawaii, and those are the last two states that were added to the United States. In 1961, DC was allowed three electoral college votes, which is the capital. So it's not really a state, but they're allowed to have their own electors. Um, And then in 1960 was the first mail out census. And as you'll find out, the number of electors each state gets is based on this partly on the census. Mm -hmm. So all of that being said, the first major election that took place after that was 1964. And that's how we got the 538 total electors. Everybody with me on that math. Girl math. Got it. (laughs) Girl math. No, actually vote math. Vote math. Got it. Um, Political math, if you will. Political math. Yes. Um, So that's how we have our total number of 538. And we'll break it down a little more too. The electoral college process consists of the selection of electors, the meeting of the electors where they vote for the president and vice president, and the counting of the electoral votes by Congress. Okay. Mm. So all of that happens and that is considered the electoral college. So it's not an actual like place. It's just (laughs) a bunch of actions that take place. It's a presence. Of the 538 electors, it basically is just adds up to be all of the members or like all of the, well, that doesn't make any sense. Let me try. So 538 is representative of the 435 House of Representatives plus 100 senators plus three for D.C. equals 538. (laughs) Like like plus D.C. (laughs) Yes. And um, a majority of the 270 electoral votes is required to elect the president. So that's not that the that doesn't mean that the members of Congress are voting as the electors. That's not true. Right. The electors are separate people mm-hmm. that are brought in. And we'll talk about like how they're selected as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. Are you with me so far? I'm here. I'm I'm holding on by a thread, but we're here. OK, we good. Just begun. <laughs> Okay, so as we just as we just said, the census determines how many representatives each state gets, right? So that the census determines how you get your House of Representative people, how you how many well, everybody gets two senators, but how many people from for the House of Representatives you get, which then also plays a factor on how many electoral college votes you get because it's the same. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um the census is very important. Um And just as a side note, gerrymandering plays a role in this as well, but that's for a different podcast. Um, Just to briefly touch on that, gerrymandering is when a bunch of political people get together and draw out the different congressional districts, Mm -hmm. and then it determines how many, it can determine how many like Republican and Democrat Congress people you get, then which determines how many electors you get. And then it's, you know, it's a whole like math situation if you in that. it's very involved and we're not going to get that deep today okay? <laughs> okay okay so because of math this <laughs> this system makes texas and florida and new york very possible very or possible very popular they are also possible <laughs> yes <laughs> very popular because that's 96 votes total for just those three states that's it that's 96 and it makes it very hard because if you're trying to get electoral college votes mm-hmm. you have to add up a lot of states in to be able to get 96 when another candidate could win over texas florida and new york and be like pretty much set 
That's right. also why a lot of the campaigning that you see is done in those heavy hitter states because mm-hmm. obviously they want to try and sway the majority of the votes. Correct. So with that in mind, we're going to talk a little bit about electors and where they come from. And it's not the stork. So don't <laughs> get involved Deliver me an elector. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. When mommies okay. and daddies love each other very much. <laughs> very much. much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in the U.S. Constitution, um, there are very few provisions relating to the qualifications of electors. Okay. So Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 provides that no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an elector, which I think is a very important rule. Yeah. So it's not going to be your elected mm-hmm. representatives. Right. Okay. Um, as a historical matter, the 14th Amendment provides that the state officials who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States or given aid and comfort to its enemies are disqualified from serving as electors. Also Another very sense. important rule. Yeah. yeah. This prohibition relates to the post-Civil War era. For obvious reasons. Yes. If you know history. <laughs> yes. Um, and January 6th, obviously. Yes. Um. Each state's certificate of ascertainment confirms that the names of its appointed electors, a state certif- a state certification of its electors is generally sufficient to establish the qualifications of electors. So each state does it a little bit different. Naturally. Which makes things <laughs> a little bit complicated. I feel like that's just how this happens. Like with right. all things. <laughs> They're like, well, right. I'm not going to do it that way. <laughs> right. So obviously... Everybody does it a little different. We're going to talk about the what the majority okay. usually does, like what the general process is. So who selects the electors? Choosing each state's electors is a two-part process. First, the political parties in each state choose slates of potential electors sometime before the general election. So they're already predetermined like who's going to vote mm. ahead of time. Nice. Second, During the general election, the voters in each state select their state's electors by casting their ballots. So it is important. It does play a factor of like who you as an individual vote for, because you're then selecting the electors. Right. That are then voting on your behalf for the president. Right. Okay. So it's kind of like a chain reaction. Correct. The first part of this process is controlled by the political parties in each state and varies from state to state. Generally, the parties either nominate states of potential electors at their state party conventions, or they choose them by a vote of the party's central committee. This happens in each state for each party by whatever rules the state party has. And sometimes the national party Mm -hmm. plays a role in that as well. Mm -hmm. This first part of the process results in each presidential candidate having their own unique slate of potential electors. So basically your home state, like let's say you're the Democratic Party in the state of New York Mm -hmm. says, okay, the election's coming up. We need to have our electors selected by such and such date. Mm -hmm. We're going to get together and find people that we like who represent our party, but are not elected officials or have like a vested interest Mm -hmm. like financially or anything um in the party and we're gonna have them vote for our candidate and then the republicans do the same thing Mm -hmm. um the political parties are often choose individuals for the state to recognize their to recognize their service and dedication to that political party they may be state elected officials, state party leaders, or people in the state who have a personal or political affiliation with their party's presidential candidate. For specific information, you could go to your state and figure your state's website and figure all that out. Right. right. We don't have time to go through all of that for all 50 we states. We do not. <laughs> but that is typically how it happens. <clears throat> okay. So the second half of that process happens during the general election when the voters in each state cast their vote for presidential candidate 
of their choice, they are voting to select their state electors. The potential electors' names may or may not appear on the ballot below the name of the presidential candidate based on the regulations and rules that you have in your state and like what they say should be posted on the ballot. Mm-hmm. I know I voted in Virginia. That does mm-hmm. not happen in Virginia, yeah. but I don't know elsewhere. Yeah. Um, depending on the election procedures and ballot formats in each state. Yeah. The winning presidential candidate slate of potential electors are appointed as the state's electors. So if the if the state, the entire state of New York votes for the Democratic candidate, then the electors from that were previously chosen mm-hmm. are able to um, go and cast their vote for the president on behalf of their state. Mm-hmm. So the only place that that doesn't happen is Nebraska and Maine, which have a proportional distribution of electors. Um, In Nebraska and Maine, the state winner receives two electors and the winner of each congressional district, who may be the same as the overall candidate winner, receives one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's because it permits Nebraska and Maine to award electors to more than one candidate. Because they have an even amount, I think. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Do electors get to vote twice for president? And so technically, electors do not vote twice for president. When they vote in November in the general election, they aren't electors yet because they haven't, Uh, like the state hasn't like officially sworn them in or whatever. Technically. But technically, yes. (laughs) Um, They are voting for themselves to be electors, right? Right. Because they, and then they're the only ones who actually vote for president, which they do at the meeting of the electors, which is the first Monday after the second Wednesday in December, which is very specific, <laughs> which is very specific. <laughs> exactly. So are there any restrictions on who the electors can vote for? So there's no constitutional provision or federal law that requires electors to vote according to the results of the popular vote in their state. However, some states require electors to cast their vote according to the popular vote. So again, it's a state statewide yeah. situation. And that causes a lot of controversy as well. Correct. Yes. So these pledges fall into two categories, electors bound by state law and those bound by pledges to political parties. So the U.S. Supreme Court has held that the Constitution does not require that electors be completely free to act as they choose, and therefore political parties may extract pledges from electors to vote for the party nominees. Mm -hmm. Some state laws provide that so-called faithless electors may be subject to fines or may be disqualified for casting an invalid vote and be replaced by a substitute elector. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court decided in 2020 that states can enact requirements on how electors vote. No elector has ever been prosecuted for failing to vote as pledged. However, several how, however, several electors were disqualified and replaced and others fined in 2016 for failing to vote as pledged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is rare for electors to disregard the popular vote by casting their electric or electrical, electrical electoral <laughs> vote for some of or someone other than their party's candidate electors generally hold a leadership position in their party and they were chosen to represent or to recognize years of loyalty to or service to the party throughout their history as throughout our history as a nation more than 99 percent of electors have voted as pledged so the system has worked generally speaking and i don't know where they got the 99 percent from i you know it's hard (laughs) to fact check that but like Overall, it has been like a generally okay system. Yeah. Um, The National Association of Secretaries of State has compiled a brief summary of state laws about the various procedures, which vary from state to state for selecting state's potential electors and for conducting the meeting of the electors. You can download this document if you so choose Mm -hmm. um, from the website of the National Association of Secretaries of State. Which we can put in the description if we... Yes, we absolutely can. If the electors vote for president, why should I vote in the general election? Well, that's a great question. question. (laughs) 
Um, during the general election, your vote helps determine the state's electors. That's right. basically why you're voting, right? right? Uh, when you vote for a presidential candidate, you aren't actually voting for president. You're voting for the electors to represent you mm-hmm. um, in the presidential election. And you're telling your state which candidate you want your state to vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep that in mind. I know a lot of people, like, it's hard to trust people who are voting on your behalf right so it becomes this whole like conspiracy trust issue situation yeah i feel like it's Um, become more prominent a question of the system recently just with the last couple of elections but totally talk about that later yes i do have a whole segment where we're gonna discuss okay so don't worry we're almost done with this half and then we'll (laughs) we'll move right along so uh what happens after the general election After the general election, your state's executive prepares a certificate of ascertainment listing the names of all the individuals on the state, on the slates for each candidate of the slate of electors, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The certificate of ascertainment also lists the numbers of votes each individual received and shows which individuals were appointed as your state's electors. Hmm. Your state's certificate of ascertainment is sent to nara as part of the official records of presidential election and i i think it's the national archive something 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 like that yeah yeah, i forget what it stands for the meeting of the electors takes place on the first tuesday after the second wednesday in december (laughs) after the general election the electors meet in their respective states where they cast their votes for presidential for president and vice president on separate ballots your state's electors votes are recorded on a certificate of vote, which is prepared by or prepared at the meeting by the electors. Your state's certificate of vote is sent to Congress where the votes are counted and to NARA as part of the official records of the presidential election. Each state's electoral votes are counted in a joint session of Congress on the 6th of January in in the year following the meeting of the electors. So that's why we have to wait so long for like yeah. the swear, the swearing in ceremony. Right. Yeah. It's a, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's a huge country and there's a lot of logistics. Well, and, and then there's the transitioning of presidents correct. and moving all their stuff and there's it's tra- the whole thing. There's traditions like, yes, <laughs> it's yes. a lot. Okay. It is a lot. <laughs> Members of the House and Senate meet in the House chamber to conduct the official count of electoral votes. The vice president of the United States as president of the, as president of the Senate presides over the count in a strictly ministerial ministerial manner and announces the results of the vote. The, the president of the Senate then declares which persons, if any, have been elected president and vice president of the United States. And Simple. <laughs> notice how this on january 6th a few years back that's Mm -hmm. why we had that whole insurrection situation because this exact event was happening on january 6th and you know they were going to announce that joe biden was president and that is not what donald trump's supporters wanted to hear and so they wanted to Mm -hmm. disrupt this process and it's a very lengthy process in general. Mm-hmm. And obviously, no matter what side of the coin that you're on, whether you were for or against the announcement of the presidential election, the bottom line is it takes so much time and so many people and an entire, as you can hear, an entire process to even get this thing afloat. Well, and there's so many little nuances like voting. There's like voting machines to consider and gerrymandering to consider and like how many, you know, votes each state gets and all that, you know, transmission of that information to the right people. Correct. You're literally playing telephone with all of this information. Yes. So I totally I mean, I understand if genuinely at some point 
people wanted to make sure it was legitimate, but you also have to understand the absolute agony <laughs> that, it, that you go through just to get a decision. Exactly. <laughs> at that point. Yeah. And there's like so many volunteers oh, that like so help many. run the voting center. God bless and- them. <laughs> I know. I know. know. And like, Uh, you know, making sure all the absentee ballots are accounted for and like all that stuff. So it's a huge undertaking, especially like, and I'm sure it's like this for a lot of countries, but especially for ours, because I feel like we have a lot of space to cover, you know, we do. We definitely do. And it's a lot. So you know, and sometimes risky, you know, if you're at a voter register, if you're a volunteer at a voter um, institution, tensions are high during election mm-hmm. period. You've got a lot of people with a lot of things to say and mm-hmm. a lot of um, a lot of opinions, which is totally their right. right. But yeah. sometimes, you know, when you're in those environments, tensions do run high and you don't know what you're going to encounter with the average person. So, again, kudos to them, because that's a lot to handle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, everybody take a little time, a big deep breath, (laughs) digest all that information to our lovely ad. And then we will talk about some stuff and I have some lighthearted things (laughs) to say in the next half. So keep that in mind. We'll see you after the break. As you may know, we have all suffered from mainstream podcasts and live streams with good, reliable Wi-Fi. This has caused countless views and followers for these influencers and created large communities who engage regularly on their platforms. If you're tired of having quality sound, video, and overall material for consumption, we've got you covered here at Mediocre Content Podcast. Introducing Blair's Crappy Wi-Fi. Have your podcast editor in literal tears each time you try to record. With Blair's crappy Wi-Fi, that's me, you will have to edit every few moments of absolute silence as Blair is constantly dropping from the call. You can even use Blair's crappy Wi-Fi on live streams and have your sound echo into the abyss and your video drop, preventing viewers from seeing or hearing you. Because why would they want to? To purchase Blair's crappy Wi-Fi, you can send your application to MediocreContentPodcast at gmail.com. Simply stating a time, Blair's crappy Wi-Fi has made your experience listening to podcasts and streams absolutely awesome. We look forward to hearing from you, and good luck making it through the rest of this pod with, you guessed it, Blair's Blair's crappy crappy Wi-Fi. Obviously, this is a fake ad, even though my Wi-Fi is, in fact, crappy. Feel free to email us all the same, but there's no way I'd be willing to give this crappy Wi-Fi to anyone, not even my worst enemy. Cheers. Welcome back. I hope everybody had a nice little moment to breathe. (laughs) Um, So I just want to talk about a few arguments for and against. Well, actually, it's just like one argument for and one argument against the Electoral College. Just food for thought, you know, nothing super crazy. Um, So and for reference, before we talk about this, I want to talk about that because there's this huge discrepancy between like, well, the popular vote mm-hmm. and the electoral college don't always match up. Right. right? And we saw right. that in previous elections during our lifetime mm-hmm. and it's made people really upset and lose faith a little bit in the electoral college, which is, you know, valid because right. if the most popular person doesn't win, like what's the point anyway, you know? Right. Sure. And for those listening, the popular vote is the sum of all of the vote, all of the individual votes, and then the electoral college vote, which actually decides the presidential election is what we just talked about in the first half. Right. 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 right, right. Okay. So uh, for reference, the electoral college has elected a president that did not win the popular vote only five times. Wow. Out of how many presidents have we had? 40 something? Yeah. You're asking uh, the wrong person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can look I it up it's... though. <laughs> yeah, look it up really quick. How many US presidents? <laughs> I think it's like 47? 46? 47? 46, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So out we of We 46- live here, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Out of 40s, my 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 high school history teacher is rolling over in their grave right now. They're so disappointed. Um, it so out of forty six, only five times has the popular vote been messed or has has not been 
followed through. Right. 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 So, uh, and those five times are John Quincy Adams in 1824, Rutherford B. Hayes in 1876, George W. Bush in 2000 and Donald J. Trump in 2016. I mean, for 40, I mean, five out of 46, that's pretty good. The, uh, yeah. Right. The yeah. odds are good. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just food for thought, take that with what you will. And I think also people think that it's more of a modern problem that this is happening just because of all of the like political nuances and political issues that we've been having. But it's also been happening like two of those were before the 19th century. And not to mention that out of the time that I've been alive, only twice. I Yeah, because George Bush and uh, Trump are the only ones that... uh, I guess popular vote wise didn't align. So that means even in our millennial lifetime, it's only happened twice. Right. So who's saying? One, two, three. Why is that only four? Oh, it is only four. Who's the four. other one? I don't know. Rude. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's I <laughs> must have miscounted. That is my fault. Even four out of 46 four. is good. That's still good. <laughs> Okay, so argument number one against the for against the electoral college. Okay, the electoral college gives a big advantage to states with a large number of electoral votes. Sure, fair. Popular states for both parties, because of math, include <laughs> Pennsylvania, California, Virginia, New York, Ohio, Illinois, Florida, Texas, Michigan, New Jersey, North Carolina, and Georgia. Because if you get the popular vote in 11 of those 12 states you win period right and that's only 11 states out of 50 right so that's yeah. kind of that that's like not, like if the rest of the country if you don't get any other votes right except for in those 11 states you're good to go you win yeah so it's just that and it seems and just and does that represent the majority Right. That's the question. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's possible for a candidate to get no votes in 39 states, but when the popular vote of 11 and right, uh, still get, Mm -hmm. you know, the full title of president. Right. So obviously that plays a role in campaigning because Mm -hmm. a lot of the funding and a lot of the time is spent in those 12 states that I just listed. Right. That is argument for no electoral college. Now, if you are arguing for the electoral college, you would probably say that the candidates can't completely ignore small states because their electoral college votes count in a very close race, right? Right. So like, let's say the candidate only gets, you know, six out of 11 of those previously listed states. They're still going to need to piecemeal you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, like the Midwest together, Rhode Island is a small one, you know, right. so it allows for the smaller States not to be forgotten. True. Right. That's fair. Um, yeah. So that's, that would be the argument for the electoral college. Okay. I see and that. that is, that is the information that I have for you <laughs> now. Um, I found this beautiful article written by Mark Remy in 2020. Okay. And it he said in a way, what are some alternatives to the electoral college? That's good. Now, okay. <laughs> so I will, we're going to talk about them here. Here we go. <clears throat> so the first one is ranked choice. So in ranked choice voting, citizens vote for multiple candidates. So you have the entire list of candidates for both parties on the ballot the, and they them first, second, third, and so on. If no candidate receives more than half the, the least popular candidate is removed and the remaining contenders are locked in a windowless room to determine who wants it most. Okay. The least popular candidate apologizes <laughs> for wasting everyone's time and calls an Uber. No, nah, you got to walk home. Forget the Uber. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, I think ranked choice is actually a really cool way to do things. It's interesting. Um, because, I mean, it could be like a bracket, 
you know, where you start off with a bunch of different people and then you narrow it down based on like, who is the most popular. I think that's a good way to do things. Um, it's we're sports obsessed anyway. It's kind of like a March Madness bracket. <laughs> Maybe people like, would be more into it. Right. It exactly. Like I don't also, know. I mean, the other thing that I dislike about the current election system is that I often don't get to hear a lot from other candidates. Right. Because only like one or two are highly publicized. Correct. And then the debates happen. And you're like, who are these other people? And I feel like this would make them more prominent and make exactly. all of the options more cohesive. Right. And you would be able to give people a shot who wouldn't normally get Correct. a shot. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I agree. I think that's smart. I do like yeah. the bracket idea. <laughs> that's cute. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And so then his other suggestion, ranked choice plus is the same as ranked choice voting, except viewers can watch a live stream <laughs> of the inside of the windowless room for 1995. All right, Netflix, calm down. <laughs> I, you know what? Love it. Okay. So this one, the next one he suggests is tug of war. Democrats gather in the Pacific and Republicans in the South. Each group grasps one end of a 2,500 mile long rope. Ooh, and on Wolf, Blitz, on Wolf Blitzer's of three pulls with all of their might a bandana is tied to the middle of the rope and the first to move that bandana out of kansas wins the presidency and is entitled to let go of the rope suddenly first of all uh (laughs) causing the other group to fall backward in a way third party voters can watch the action in person or from the comfort of their own homes that's insane yeah Kansas I like is huge. that Wolf Blitzer is the one that's I know. like <laughs> out of all the it. choices they're like right. not this guy <laughs> oh god so. I don't know about tug of war I, okay so the problem I have with this one despite the obvious is most not all so I don't mean to insult anyone who doesn't fall into this category however a lot of our ca- uh, presidential candidates are kind of on the um mid to older age range so i feel like i was just gonna say that (laughs) maybe not the best way (laughs) to do that yeah somebody's gonna break a hip oh for sure and i'm so sorry to whoever that is especially if they end up winning because that's gonna be a long four years (laughs) i like the idea of like crowds gathering alongside the rope and like waiting for it to like go either way again super sports obsessed i feel like that would get a lot of hype (laughs) i think so too a lot of hospital visits though just people setting up lawn chairs in kansas (laughs) in kansas i love it that's a lot of material for that kind of rope though you're so right yeah what would the what would the rope be made out of that's a better question because there's no way there's no way you'd be able to make something of that scale with our current rope material right I don't, yeah, I don't know. This, this bit, there's too many questions with it's this too one. Many, too many, I agree. Many it's too many logistics. I can't think about it too hard. Nope. Um, okay. So the next one is a quiz show. Each candidate <laughs> gets to choose three of their sharpest, most prominent supporters to face off in an hours long battle of wits moderated by Steve Harvey. Honestly, who else <laughs> would be qualified to be fair? I don't know. Honestly. <laughs> Um, for instance, in a 2020 version, uh, might have featured Donald Trump with enthusiast Scott Bayo, Christy Alley, and Stephen Baldwin squaring off against Biden with John Stewart, Michelle Obama, and uh, M. Stanley Whittingham. Okay, okay. The winner, uh, a winner of the 2019 Nobel Prize in Chemistry, and the director of both Brim. Brimming Hammond University's chemistry department and the Northeast Center for Chemical Energy Storage, a research center funded by the U.S. Department. Categories would include such topics as civics 101, American history, and chemistry. The winning team's candidate becomes president. Runner-ups go home with a solid oak bedroom set. (laughs) I would sign up so fast for a solid oak bedroom set. I would also say, I think civics is great. I think American history is great. Chemistry? Well, I I think it should be nuclear power. 
I think it should be biology 101 because oh, I, sometimes I feel like they don't even know the basics of things like environmental science right or like yeah. nature's science just something yeah to kind of give you a little boost I think chemistry is great but you got to start where, you got to start with the hundred level classes and then right. we'll put you in OCHEM you're right <laughs> you're right yeah I would say mm-hmm. maybe even like two more categories so it would be yeah. like uh environmental science yeah chemistry and then we could do like random bonus like pop (laughs) culture just to keep it spicy do you know the term fire (laughs) in today's context like how well do you know the youth of the nation (laughs) oh my goodness okay all right. The next one is lumberjack competition. Uh, I'm not sure how exactly this would work as far as electing a president is concerned, but wouldn't it be fun to watch like Joe Biden and Donald Trump, like saw a log, like as fast as possible. And I see mean, they are sawing logs. They're taking naps. I'm sure. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. Um, besides that version, I think <laughs> we would also run into the problem of everyone who runs for president is old and That's like what wouldn't I mean. be able to do it <laughs> like physically imp- I can't even do that I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you yeah. at my semi-healthy 29 years old self no right. thank you that's too much <laughs> it would just be like we would have like a demonstrator from Ireland yeah. or something come over and be like this is how it's supposed to be done and then <laughs> they we let the presidential candidates do it and it would be it would take like a million years we would have better luck of them just entering the strongest man competition. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that you know, would be good. that's yeah. about the same. <laughs> okay. So lottery is another suggestion. Every four Ooh. years, residents of a small town in America's heartland prepare slips of paper, placing a black dot on all but one of them. Ooh. On election day, the candidates join the townsfolk for a public drawing. <laughs> one by one, they are called to take a slip from the box uh the candidate who chooses the blank slip wins the presidency all others get stoned which is cool because the town in question decriminalizes recreational marijuana use uh use in a previous election you know there's an interesting thought process to this where it's all Mm -hmm. just luck and you just kind of roll with it right um i i as a person do not subscribe to that i enjoy knowing what's going to happen even if i don't like it sure right. you know i, I think uh, most people do i would at least want to be informed <laughs> beforehand i don't know if i like this one yeah i hate uncertainty yeah i don't know either but Too also much. it kind of is just like all right this is it and that's it you know you what know, i mean like there, there's no yeah. there's no like fluff right. that's, you know? that's a fair statement there's a certain like there's also a certain peace with knowing you had zero to do with it. <laughs> and for legal reasons, all of these suggestions that I'm reading are jokes, by the way, in case you haven't, you've, we've gotten this far and you haven't picked up on that. It, it is satire. Is it is satire. All right. Uh, Steel cage death match is the next ex- or Seems next suggestion. Pretty simple. Uh, obviously this is self-explanatory. Um, I would want to rent out the Coliseum for yeah. this particular event. Yeah. I don't know if Italy would let us do that, but uh, I think I want John Cena to mic it. That's what I. I want. Oh yes, <laughs> and in this corner we have it's just, it's just everybody going. I don't even see the announcer. I can't see the announcer. Right? Yeah. You get it because you can't see me. Yeah, whatever, whatever. It's a joke. It's fine. I'm sorry. I- he know. does the hand thing. Oh, oh. you can't say uh, it's fine. <laughs> I got it. Okay. I got it. Whatever. Sure. Next. <laughs> uh so this one I'm not a hundred percent sure I get the reference, but uh it's called Goldberg. On election day, voters across the nation cast their quote unquote ballots in the form of red or blue marbles. Uh, rules vary by state, but these marbles may be mailed to local election offices or taken in person to be to certified drop-off funnels, which deposit them into onto wire tracks. These tracks take the marbles on a whimsical roller coaster of a journey to the state election office where they fall from a chute in the ceiling 
into a large scale. Eventually, the scale sinks low enough to depress a switch, which starts a fan, which blows oh a toy sailboat across <laughs> a kiddie pool. Shame uh, I love at it. the far side of which is an inflated balloon, a needle affixed to the bow of the boat pops the balloon, startling a nearby elector who then races across the room and pulls a blue or red level, a red lever, according, recording a vote for either the Democratic candidate or the Republican one. Also, somewhere in there, the marble triggers a series of mechanical arms that light a gas burner under a skillet and crack and fry an egg, which is a treat <laughs> for the elector. What if they have an egg allergy? <laughs> well, that is that is to be determined. It's so trivial compared to that entire shit show. I'm just going to say it like it I, is. Yeah, so that <sighs> seems about exactly what we do. It's just not as fun. Honestly, you're pro- that is probably the closest to the current system that we have yeah. going on. <laughs> right. You know what? You do this, then I'll do this. And then this will make this do that. And then we'll do this together, but separately. Correct. <laughs> I love it. And the final suggestion is popular vote. Each right. voter casts a ballot for his or her preferred candidate. In the end, the votes are counted and the candidate wins the most votes. Wins. Which... I feel like is the majority of how other vote situations work outside of this one. So I will say I am not educated on uh, the way that other people, other countries do it. Oh, Um, oh, I meant like simple things like who's go, who should, what game should we play? And they're like five out of 10 want this one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we would love to know what you guys think. Um, but Kirsten, after knowing all of this information and going through these Mm. lovely substitutions for the electoral college, uh, (laughs) do you think that your vote matters? Why or why not? It's such a difficult question. I don't mean to be cliche, Mm. but it is a difficult question because I think there is a good argument to say, no, because you feel like, well, even if I put my vote in, there is technically two records in general of people not voting as expected as an elector. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also, uh, even if my elector does that, um, if the popular vote doesn't align, uh, then maybe somebody still gets voted in that you didn't want because of that situation. So I think you know, in the grand scheme of things, if it's not on a one-to-one basis where it literally is, well, my vote is literally voting for this person. I feel like there's a strong argument to say, no, I don't feel like my vote matters very much. Um, unfortunately I'm going to play devil's advocate for myself and say the opposite of that is, uh, the process as we've discussed is huge and there's plenty of room for things to get miss or or lost and so i think to a point this process kind of not simplifies it because there's still a lot of cogs in the machine but i think it takes a mass amount of people that we have it's just the way it is we have right. so many people you are taking the entire mass of opinions consolidating and then using the consolidated votes to move forward in an already arduous task of voting every four years you know you know what i mean right like there's an argument for both as is most cases but i think in general i could see clichely both sides (laughs) yeah no i agree with you um me personally Mm -hmm. i feel like i in order to see any change i Mm -hmm. need to participate in mm-hmm. whatever process in which yeah. we decide yeah um is going to elect our president or you know just in general our yeah. elected officials um if you don't participate it like you're part of the problem in my yeah. opinion yeah um yeah but again i mean as we've discussed there's a lot of flaws there's a lot of error yeah. or room for error i should yeah. say um in our system. And so it would, I, 
I would support someone who brought a different idea to the table for sure. Especially if it was something tangible that like would actually a potentially make the process easier. And Mm -hmm. the other, I think, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on tangent because of what you said, I think about this, but I think the other part um, that makes people maybe hesitant to use that vote freedom is just the enormous amount of information. I mean, we've spent an entire podcast talking about it. There's so much information and some people are like, well, it sounds like no matter what I do, I am literally this marble, an entire bag of rocks. Like mm-hmm. what, mm-hmm. what realistically can you tell me that my vote is doing right? And it's well, hard to say. And the media does a really Absolutely. good job of like wearing you down and yes. getting everyone so worked up about like issues yep. that don't necessarily right. matter. Right. Um, I feel like you, it's very easy to get overwhelmed yeah. in terms of like how you're voting, who you're voting for, yep. um, how you go to vote, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just so easy to get caught up and just overwhelmed. And then you're just like, well, I'm not going to vote at all, right. which po- some people are okay with that. Some people yeah. would, would encourage you not to vote. Right. You know, it's true. And I think um, anything that someone were to bring forward, again, that would simplify it, make it easy to understand, also make it easy to actively participate and feel value in, which I think the value mm-hmm. aspect is what we're currently lacking in today's, like there's mm-hmm. no, there, the individual does not feel as though they are valued, therefore the system is not valued. And I think that discrepancy Correct. is huge. So if you can find that middle ground, if you can find a system that provides both, then I think you're a winner. And I think people, even if their person isn't chosen, would feel good about the outcome because they felt like they did something in the process. And that at the end of the day, their contribution mattered. Right. Absolutely. I I truly feel like that value is where it's going amiss right now, at least in people's minds. Even if- No, I agree. I know you said the four out of whatever, and there's only this many out of 46, but- if the reality is the way you perceive it unfortunately Uh so it doesn't matter that there's only four it matters what the individual is going through in that absolutely and I think we have the technology and we have the ability to make voting so easy yes we do but (laughs) I feel like our country does not utilize that in order to encourage everyone to take part in the political process. I'll put it this way. One of our projects in my UX UI design bootcamp was to Mm. pick a government website to redesign. That's how terrible (laughs) the majority of our technology, at least on the government and some of that security, right? Because the more Mm -hmm. simple, the less likely someone's able to, you know, get into it. I, I understand. Sure. We can't However, all be designing our websites by Squarespace. It's true. We can't. We can't Shout out that. Squarespace. Please sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, but not a government <laughs> website. They won't take you. No. <laughs> and so I understand to a point. However, I do believe to your point that we have so much good technology that we could be using to mitigate a lot of the concerns people have about things getting lost in the machine. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and they just sent out that big alert thing the other day to to all of our phones. And I'm like, okay, so why can't we just do that? Like a poll or something like on election day where we all just press the button and we're done. And the reason that we can't is more than likely because of how synchronized the electoral college is because it is state-based. So for example, Mm -hmm. if you're a state resident, but you're in another state at the moment because of work or, you know, whatever you're dealing with, that jacks that up because you're not in that state. Or if it's then tied by your phone number that is no longer from the state that you're a resident in, like mine, for right. example, sure, sure. then you're doing yeah. it by phone number. And then that's also, so well, and then there's like, <laughs> well, yeah. And then there's security risks oh, and for like sure. all yeah. that, like, yeah. obviously that's not the answer, but it's, but it's a thought, like, it's, it's a not thought. a bad thing. Like we yeah. know that they have the ability to do, yes. make it way easier. And they're obviously. just not going to, because it's just too many, there's too many hands in the pot, right? There's yes. too many people who want to control certain aspects to get yeah. their outcome. Right. And then it just becomes 
a mess. I already know they're in my phone. They give me all the ads. Right. Anyway. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> I know you know <laughs> how right. to do this more effectively. So, but yes. Anyway, I think yeah, that's I think value is what it comes down to, and I would also be interested in hearing if someone had a plausible idea to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So uh, um, I think they, I would love to know what other people think, honestly. Yes. Um, yes. I want to know what other people in our country think, but I'd also be interested to hear to your point earlier, like what other countries do, what they think of the system. Do they have ideas? It's always good to have a third party's opinion, I think, because sometimes you get too deep into it on your own. Totally. But, um, you know, all of you can send us that information. Uh, you can connect with us via email at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram at TikTok at mediocrecontentpodcast on both of those platforms. And if you'd love to enter into a conversation one-on-one with us, we do have a live stream every other Thursday on Twitch at the same handle. And that's at 3 p.m. PST, 6 p.m. EST, or 11 p.m. BST. And please, we're so grateful for all of you that have already put in your star ratings for the pod we genuinely Mm -hmm. appreciate your time in doing that if you don't mind and you're really enjoying the pod and you do so regularly i'm reminding you right now go ahead and hit that five star wherever you're listening to podcast we seriously seriously appreciate it um and unless you have anything else i guess we'll see them next week yes we shall um yeah rate us five stars (laughs) and thank you in advance yeah (laughs) Uh, We'll see you guys next week, guys. Um, And until then, cheers. Cheers.